Hello and welcome to Element City Church. How are y'all doing tonight? Woo, all right. Let's just take a minute, let's uh, greet everybody who's joining us online, everyone in the room. Let's say hello to them as well. That's right, we're excited that you're able to tune in right now and uh, maybe you're tuning in later on in the week, whenever it is. We're grateful that you're here with us tonight. We're not just grateful, we are delighted. And for all you wordsmiths out there, we're chuffed. We are chuffed that you have decided to join us for worship tonight. So thanks for being here. A couple things before we get started with worship. Um, first of all, I'm Lyle. I'm one of the uh, pastors here. I am in charge of our worship and production teams and a couple other things. Um, but yeah, if you're new tonight, uh, we just want to invite you to the 10-minute party that's going to be in the back when service is done. Um, so we usually have one of our board members back there, Jack or me, will be back there as well. Uh, and we've got a connection card that if you fill out that connection card, we are happy to give you a free gift. That free gift, it is the best kettle corn this side of the Grand Canyon. We're proud of that. We're very proud of that. Let's just take a moment to remember. Some of you haven't even had it yet, but let's, I'm just kidding. We're not gonna take a moment to remember how delicious it is. Uh, We'll talk about it though. So uh, another way you can fill out that connection card, if you wanna download the Element City Church app, that's where we send uh, all the kind of like calendar events. Those things are there. Um, You can get playlists, you can get sermon notes, you can go back and watch previous sermons, all that stuff. So the Element City Church app, you can get that in the Google Play Store, you can get that in the Apple App Store, either one, make sure you have that. And if you're at home and you're just like, man, I don't wanna get my phone, I don't wanna do that, uh, too bad. Get your phone. You can also text 520-340-6868. If you text the word hello to that, uh, we'll send you a link. Tap the link. Fill out some information that lets you fill out the connection card. Here's a fun fact. You can text e-groups to 520-340-6868. If you want to get into an e-group, we'll send you a list there. There's other things that you can type in, and I don't even know what all they are. You should go find Matt Warnstead. Ask him. He'll let you know what all that is. So let's all stand together. We're going to start with some songs of worship. Jack's going to preach, so we'll worship from the word. We'll sing a song afterward as well. Um, But we're, again, we are chuffed that you are here tonight to worship with us. We're going to pray for the Church of the Week. That's Life Point Church with a capital P. That's how I've learned the difference. There's two Life Point churches out on the north side. So we're praying for the Life Point that's a little farther north and their pastor Nasser uh, as well. So join me as we pray for tonight that God would move and let's pray uh, for Life Point Church as well. So Lord, thanks for um, the fact that you're on the move in the city of Tucson. God, it's so easy for us to just uh, kind of close the doors and circle the wagons and think of the things that you're doing here and be excited about that. And yet your word tells us that you want us to go into Jerusalem and Judea and all of Samaria. And so that means we're supposed to have a heart for the world and for what you're doing around the world. So God, would you open our hearts just to see what it is that you're doing, not just in our church, but in our city, in our state, in our country and around this world. We want to pray specifically tonight for Life Point Church and Pastor Nasser. God, would you fill Pastor Nasser with all the vision that he needs to lead that church forward and to lead it well? We pray for where they're planted in their community, God, that you would give them uh, great ways and meaningful ways that they can make an impact with the people there. Would you create just this sweet spirit of unity within their congregation that as they work together, God, that they would see you do great things in and through them. And we pray the same for us tonight, God. Would you come and join us in this moment? Your spirit's already here, already moving. And yet, God, for so many of us, we can walk in with distractions and things that weigh us down. And so in this moment, we just breathe out those things and we breathe in your love, your mercy, and your grace. God, you wanna move tonight. 
in the heart of every single person that's here. I believe that. I know that's true. And so would you use this time as we sing these songs of worship to till the soil of our hearts, to be ready to receive the words that Jack has for us tonight. God, be glorified in what you see uh, in us, what you hear from us. And now as we begin to worship God, would it rise up like incense to you? And would that aroma be pleasing to you? Would it bring you glory? We pray it all in Jesus' name, amen. an eternal spark I call you healer cause you mend any broken heart I call you faithful father you finish everything you start my soul was made to respond I know you by a thousand names and you deserve
Lord, how sweet did you gaze on my perilous heart to befriend me to my bitter end and carry the burden for his grave in my failure. You prevailed in pure love To be found in the depths of your heart As good as forgiven And oh how you graced that cross Where Jesus died and death took the loss Wild as the floodgates of hell Flung wide open within his scars Now mine is the life you raised Yours the glory that took down the grave Bright as the sun, almighty in love God forever your King Sweet is the sound of a heart drenched in grace, rising up from the ashes and praise, alive to the Ukraine's hope is
Let us see your kingdom come. Darkness in your eyes. There is no question in your mind. God Almighty, God of mercy. There is no hiding from your face. Striving in your grace, God of mercy, God Almighty, let there be light, open the eyes of the blind, pure. Fire hearts in your fire. Breathe in us, we pray. Jesus, have your way. Purify your hearts in your fire. 
those embracing the poor Comfort for all those who mourn For the broken hearted Sing louder Release from prison shame Oppression turning to grace Darkness in your way to have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Have your way. Father, that's our prayer in this place. Lord, have your way. The way of your son, Jesus. The way that is closest to your heart. Man, we want that way. And not only for us to consume or just to make us happy or feel better, but man, we've got a world that needs that way. That we might be the light to bring that to our communities, to our world, Father. Man, give us the boldness to be exactly that. Sometimes it feels, man, so hypocritical to sing those words knowing that, man, I'm just not perfect at it. The truth is that none of us are, Father. We've gathered together striving to understand the grace, the mercy, and the love that you have for us, Lord. 
man, when I've tasted it, I've felt it. It's so, so very good. But I look around at our world and it breaks my heart to know that that flavor, that uncontrollable light is just a little buried. But God, may we be a church that comes and brings that to the surface. It brings it to life, that allows your spirit to move, that allows your people to recognize just how much you love them. That we would be light, that we would be salt. So be with us tonight, Father. You're here, you're moving. You are so, so very good. I pray that you would be with Jack as he shares uh, your words as we start on the Sermon of the Mount tonight, Father, that you would utilize uh, your word like you have throughout all of history to build and motivate, to send your people here. So Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. We pray these things in your name, your wonderful and glorious name, amen. You guys can have a seat. So good to worship with you. If, uh, <clears throat> if you weren't with us last week, uh, we had a special week with seven people getting baptized. We had a great time having uh, dinner outside afterwards. Glad that we're not having dinner out there. It's a little windy tonight, but um, thrilled to have you here. We are starting a brand new series called The Sermon on the Mount. We're going to spend the summer on the Mount. See how that works? Um, and so uh, we're going to do that this summer and take our way through this. This is uh, Jesus probably most famous sermon. It's found in the book of Matthew. If you go to the Gospel of Matthew, you can open up the app and go down to Sermon Notes and kind of follow along with us there. If you're online watching, you can follow along there too as well. Um, but Matthew chapter 5 through 7 is one of, uh, it's a sermon that Jesus would have given multiple times as a traveling rabbi. But it was kind of formulated and kind of took place off the Sea of, uh, the sea of Galilee, kind of on the hillside there. People could gather, his voice could carry, and that was there. I've stood in that spot, and it's a pretty amazing reality. In fact, we're looking to take a, uh, a trip to Israel in a couple of years, and so you may want to put that on your bucket list uh, to go with us uh, and, and a team here. Um, but you'll get to see these sites, and this is where um, kind of this takes place, and it's a pretty cool thing. And so... Every line of the Sermon on the Mount really kind of goes to the heart of discipleship, which is what we've been talking about, moving from being a, a fan of Jesus to a follower of Jesus. That, that's really the progression we want to make. And the Sermon on the Mount offers a clear understanding of kind of this blessed life. Here's what it means to kind of live a life that God has created you to want to live and to lean into that. And it, it, there's a bunch of different topics that he gets into, and we'll get into those uh, as we go throughout this summer. Um, but we want to just kind of kind of set this all up because this really kind of picks up where we left off about a year and a half ago. We went through the Beatitudes, which is the very first part of the Sermon on the Mount, and we stopped at the end of the Beatitudes. And tonight's text is kind of picking up where that
that is kind of winding down. So it's kind of the tail end of that. If you missed that series, it's called The Good Life. You can go back in the app or online and watch that at your leisure if you want. But in a lot of ways, the Gospel of Matthew is trying to trying to help us understand Jesus and the heart of his message from the very beginning. And that his believers, what set them apart back in the first century, wasn't that they just listened to the philosophy of Jesus. It's the fact that they had been with Jesus. And in being with Jesus, they were being formed to be more like Jesus and actually living that out. And that's really what Jesus is getting at here in the Sermon on the Mount. And he's going to kind of unpack in a lot of different ways. That the Sermon on the Mount kind of declares the pathway to human flourishing. This is the best possible way to live life. That's kind of what Jesus is laying out. And he kind of goes up on this mountainside and he sits down as a teacher, which is what rabbis would do. And then he begins declaring the word of God to people. Now, what's interesting is you fast forward to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, kind of the end of chapter seven, and it says, and people were amazed at his teaching." Because he taught as one who had authority and not like the teachers of the law that they knew. So that's where we're going as we kind of lean in. And our prayer is that as we kind of lean in and meditate on the Sermon on the Mount, that it's going to help shape us and mature us and actually kind of chip away at some things within you, within me. And it's going to call us on some things and challenge us on some things. And it's going to call us to some things as we go through this. So again, if you want to catch up on the Beatitudes, uh, you can go back to that series called The Good Life. But in Matthew chapter 5, this is kind of the beginning. He kind of goes through the Beatitudes, which I don't have time to unpack, gets to verse 13 through 16. So let me just kind of read this over us, and then we're going to unpack it a little bit tonight. So Here's what Jesus is saying. This is, again, toward the tail end of the Beatitudes, which would all be one section of this sermon. Like, this would have been a long sermon, like a couple hours, but we don't have to go through that tonight. Aren't you glad? Okay, so, aren't you glad? I mean, I could go for two hours if you, if you really want. Okay, no, okay. Um, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Insert, that would be dumb. No one would do that. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You may have heard sermons on this with salt and light and those two metaphors, and maybe that's kind of jogging the memory of a thought or a conversation you've leaned into in the past, and I want to lean into that. Uh, let's see, Lyle does the five-minute nerd out. Uh, I'm going to take a theology timeout. Yeah, yeah, see, I worked on that all week. Wow, that's really not applause worthy, but I appreciate it. Um, and so, like, the theology timeout, I want to get to this, because in studying for this, I learned something new that I didn't know, and I want to pass it on to you. Because I think this reality where I've heard a lot of sermons is about salt and light and about what it does. So salt was a preservative a lot, uh, didn't have refrigeration back in the first century, so you would put salt on meat to preserve it and not have it rot as fast and to be able to stay around. We understand light. Uh, how many of you have been in a room in the dark? 
kicked your toe and went, why didn't I turn on the light, right? Isn't that what anyone have that? Like, especially with like little kids and you go in, you're like, I'm going to be real, and you go in, you go, I don't want to wake anybody up. And then you kick your foot and you're like, ah, okay, anyway, uh, maybe it's just me. So uh, this idea of salt and light, that's kind of how we approach this intense. But what I want you to, to see is Jesus goes up on a mountainside, sits down. It begins to teach the people. We already know, if you fast forward to the end, that he taught as one who had authority, not like the teachers that people understood. So now I want you to begin to think back in the context of an Old Testament. Here's the truth about Matthew. Matthew is written to Jewish people, primary audience. It's written to us. We get to eavesdrop in on it. But he's, written, he's writing primarily to the Jewish people to try to convince them that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah, that they have been looking forward to. And so, so much of what the, the Pentateuch would have been about and so much of what you see is people would have been drawn to Moses. What did Moses do? Moses went up on a mountain and he received things from the Lord and he came down and he dispersed it to the people and that became the law. So we have a similar scenario beginning to play out and Jesus is actually saying, I'm, in a lot of ways, the new Moses. I'm the one that the Pentateuch has been pointing to and I'm going to help you connect the dots here. The book of Isaiah was another book that, especially if you read chapters 42 through 66, all about the suffering servant, all about the new Messiah to come and this is written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus shows up. And what's fascinating is if you look at this, Isaiah 42, 6 says, I am the Lord, the Lord is speaking, I am the Lord, I'm Yahweh. I have called you in righteousness, I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light for the nations. And what does Matthew say? Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. Isaiah's light for the nations becomes Matthew's light of the world. Matthew is making connections. In fact, Matthew makes more connections to the book of Isaiah than any of the other uh, three Gospels. And when you read through this and you begin to see the flavor of Isaiah all over the book of Matthew, what follows in Isaiah 42 is an emphasis on God doing a new thing. The old way is passing away. A new era is dawning. If you read verses 9 through 10 of Isaiah 42. And here, and especially in chapters 42 through 66, speaking all about that, the language of salt and light is all through the book of Isaiah. And so now you have Matthew beginning to try to connect the dots for the people of God to see this is the one we've been waiting for. And he is declaring something and actually bringing it to light. The salt and light metaphors were the flavors of Isaiah. And everywhere in Matthew you look, results are clear. It's a powerful statement about the eschatological new covenant coming in Jesus. He is the one who's delivering this. This new covenant is founded and anchored in Christ that he's going to announce it. This is what he's doing. But he will also be the arbitrator for it. And he will fulfill it. That's what he does on the cross. And so Jesus is connecting all these dots and he's commissioning his followers. What's gathered there is what you have to understand. The Sermon on the Mount is said to common people, to you, to me. Jesus isn't declaring what the Pharisees are declaring is if you want to be part of the spiritually elite then you've got to be better than us. That's kind of what Jesus gets to do with the, the whole Beatitudes. Let your righteousness be even greater than the Pharisees, which the common people would look at the Pharisees and go, they're goody-two-shoes. There's no way I would ever measure up to that. 
And Jesus is saying, no, the kingdom of God is for you. There are no spiritual elites. That's something manufactured by man. The invitation is that God is doing something new. And everyone's invited. To steal my favorite phrase, it's a all skate. Everyone's invited. Everyone's included into this movement if you choose to. If you will be invited into it, you can say yes to it. This is about moving and connecting the dots. This is the covenant of God going all the way back to the days of Moses and connecting the dots through the book of Isaiah, connecting the dots here in Matthew. You are the salt and light of the world. Jesus is a new great prophet. He is the suffering servant that is spoken about in Isaiah, bringing about the light and grace to all the world by extension then, we as his disciples, then and now, are fellow heralds of that message that the fulfillment of God's covenant finds its pinnacle, its peak, its crescendo in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is teaching the way of God, the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the way of God, it's now here. And you can participate. You're invited. What you need to do is align your life with me. And then Jesus begins speaking identity messages over his people. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. This isn't performance things. These are identity statements. I'm going to give you a new identity now, Jesus is declaring. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. This is about distinction and influence. Both and, not either or. And Christians sometimes get weird when we make it one or the other. I've got to be distinct. Yes, you do. In fact, as a follower of Jesus, uh, that's what it means to be a disciple. It means I'm modeling my life after Jesus more and more. That maybe I'm a little bit more like him this year than I was last year. And I may not be perfect yet. Anyone perfect here? No. Okay. So like, I may not be perfect yet, but I'm working my way there. And I'm not working my way there. It's in the grace of God that's empowering me to become more and more like him. And so as I live this out and lean into this and live into this more, and this story is beginning to captivate me and move me, I'm being caught up where I'm reflecting reflecting more of this this year than I did five years ago. And five years from now, more than I do right now. That's the point. And so I'm becoming more like him as I'm living more like him. I am going to be distinct and different. In both these metaphors of salt and light, Jesus is teaching about the responsibility of Christians in a non-Christian or sub-Christian or post-Christian society. He's emphasizing that there is to be a difference between us in the world, between the church and the world, and he's, he's saying one should influence the other. The distinction is to be clear. The world, he says, is like rotting meat, but you're the world's salt. The world's like dark night, but you are to be the world's light. There is to be a fundamental difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, between the church and the world, but he goes beyond distinction. See, distinction is just about survival. I'm supposed to stay salty. I'm supposed to be different. No, no. Jesus didn't call you just to be different. That is a part of it. He's calling you and telling you to not only be distinct, 
but to be an influencer upon the world, not someone who's just distinct and pulls away from the world. That's where Christians sometimes get sideways because it's all about drawing up the drawbridge and I'm just going to withdraw and I'm just going to, I'm going to stay salty, but I'm not going to influence crud. And Jesus is saying, no, no, it's not either or. This is a both and. I want you to be distinct. Like salt to petrifying meat, Christians are to hinder social decay. Like light to a prevailing darkness, Christians are to illuminate society and to show it a better way. It's important to grasp that it's both and. Too many people stop at just trying to survive. No, no. You're called to influence. That's what Jesus is saying. He's not saying, hey, uh, just want you to pull away. Just be my followers. You're salt and you're light. And we're going to hide it under a bushel. No. You remember the song, right? That would make no sense. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. A, they didn't have light. They had candles. It would catch on fire. That doesn't make sense. Like you wouldn't do that. What you would do is you would light a candle and you would stick it on a table so it gives light and illuminates the room. It's to be offensive in some ways. It's to be distinct, yes, but it's to be influencing the culture and and the society around it. Salt and light are not just to be different. They're to have a powerful influence upon their environment. Salt is to be rubbed into meat in order to stop the rot. Light is to shine in the darkness in order to illuminate it and remove it. So we are to have influence upon our environment, upon our society, upon our world. So in the time I got left, I want to look at three key ways that I think we can begin to to try to wrestle more of that. What does that look like? How do you do that uh, in our day and age? And the first one is this. I think Christians, followers of Jesus. Now, you may be here, you may be watching online, and you wouldn't call yourself a follower of Jesus yet. Maybe you're just spiritually investigating, and I think it's awesome that you're here, that you're tuning in, and we want to be a place where you don't have to be part of the convinced to belong. Like, that you can be on a spiritual journey, and what I would say to you is just keep leaning in to who Jesus is because it's pretty mesmerizing. And it's pretty, uh, it's pretty remarkable the more you get to know him and how that begins to change you or want to entice you to want to change. And so uh, this reality that as a follower of Jesus, how do you have influence? Because what Jesus is declaring to you as a follower of him is you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And so it's not just about withdrawing to be distinct. You should be distinct. You should be different. But it is about moving forward and influencing the culture around you. So as salt and light that's having influence, how can we do that? Maybe the first way might be simply this, the influence of prayer. Now, I don't want you to hear that as just a pious statement and go, oh, sure, preacher guy, pray. Church is always talking about prayer. James 5.16, the last part of that verse says this, the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Who makes you righteous? Quick quiz. It ain't you. It's Jesus who makes you righteous. We're to live out righteousness, meaning live more in alignment with him. But our righteousness comes as a gift given to us. And the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective, uh, James is writing to the church. 
So this is about leaning into someone who's bigger than you. Anyone ever been in a situation where uh, you've had to lean into someone who maybe had more authority, maybe had more power, maybe had more resource than you did, and you leaned in their direction and they stepped on your behalf and helped you? Anyone ever benefited from some scenario like that? Three of you, perfect. Um, more of us have benefited from that, right? Where we've had people that are bigger than us, people that have more resource than us, that have able to, to benefit us in a way we are the ones who benefited from it because of what they did. That's really what prayer is. It's, God, it's praying and asking God, who is bigger than you and bigger than me, to do what only he can do. It's asking, I would like to participate, God, but you've got to be the heavy lifter in this. You've got to do what only you can do. See, prayer is an indispensable part of the Christian life, and we want to leverage prayer on behalf of people, for those around us who are battling in life and who could use some support in ways. What if we literally, intentionally did this? Okay, what would that look like? I don't know. Uh, maybe it would look like me talking to my neighbor, Jimmy, and having a conversation where we're just talking about life, and I find out there's some things going on in Jimmy's life, and I go, Jimmy, hey, could, could I just pray for you? Like, would you be okay with that? And then I let it hang there for a second. 95% of people will go, oh, okay. And they don't know what to expect. So here's what you should do in that moment. Here's what you don't do. Don't preach at people. Don't go long-winded prayer for three minutes. You've ruined the relationship then. Don't be a jerk, okay? No one wants to sit for a three-minute prayer, not even in church, okay? But if people give you the opportunity to pray, you got 30 seconds. That's it. You got 30 seconds. They don't need a dissertation. They need you to bless them. You get to pray. And so for my neighbor, it's, hey, let me just pray. God, he needs your wisdom. He needs your activity. He needs your involvement in his life. Would you just bring some hope, maybe even this week, to whisper some new things that he might see that you're active in his life? He needs help, God. Amen. That's it. Prayer's done. You know what most people feel like after you've done that for like 15 seconds? They're like, oh. Well, that wasn't very bad. I, I was expecting like a shot. You know, I was expecting something horrible. Um, but like that was actually, that was nice that you like took time for me. And maybe if you're at a restaurant, uh, and I don't know if you pray over your meals at restaurants. Uh, we do occasionally. Sometimes we don't. We're not perfect. Um, but like this idea of sometimes I might say to a waiter or waitress, hey, we're going to pray for our meal because we just think God's just super awesome. Is there anything I could be praying for you about? And occasionally they might go, well, yeah, I've got like this challenge at work. Or I've got this, you know, blah, 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 the family. Okay, well, when we pray uh, after the food gets here, uh, we'll pray for you too. And they may stick around. They may not. You don't have to force them. In fact, please don't force them to stick around for the prayer. That's weird. Don't be weird, okay? I wish I could just tell Christians, stop being weird. Um, like, just be normal. Um, and, and like, pray with people. Like, what if we as a church just said, we're going to make it a practice to pray for people? We're going to have influence because we're going to ask God to do what only he can do, and we're going to literally practice this. We're going to practice prayer. So here's the goal and the invitation for you this week. Pray for one person. 
It could be a classmate. It could be a neighbor. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be an acquaintance that you bump into. It could be a random person that crosses your path. I don't care, but you got to pray for one. Okay? Raise your hand. Everybody has hands. Raise your hand. You are now pledging to pray for one. Okay? So you've all taken this pledge. I forced it on you. Deal with it. Okay? Um, You're going to pray for one person this week. Now, this may freak you out as an introvert. So, um, Jesus went to the cross for you. You can get over it. Uh, This idea, I know that's challenging. I don't care. Um, Because I want to push you. Because here's the truth. I think coming out of a pandemic, this is the most opportune time that people are hungry for spiritual help. They don't know what it looks like or what it feels like or maybe even what it is yet. But they're open. And I think your classmates, your people at work, your coworkers, people in your neighborhood are open if you're not weird. So again, don't be weird about this. But take a moment. Somewhere this week, just be open. Pray. God, would you make me alert to an opportunity that you're going to bring across my path. I promise you he will. He will bring an opportunity across your path to go, hey, I'm just hearing your story, and it sounds like that's a challenge. Could I just pray for you? And here's the benefit of that. Here's how you gain influence. Because you noticed and because you cared. And you cared enough to not say what we all say most of the time as Christians. I'll pray for you. And then we go throughout our day, and then we see them a week later and go, oh, crud, I forgot to pray for them. What do they need prayer for? I forgot about that, uh, right? What if we actually, in the moment, when someone's sharing something, go, hey, you know what, can I take 10 seconds and just pray for you? Would that be all right? I promise you, most people will say, okay. Then don't be weird and just pray, 10 seconds. Just ask God to move in their life, give them wisdom, give them discernment, uh, bring a blessing upon them, help them in the scenario. And then at the same time as you finish saying amen, here's the question you're to be in your mind. God, how can I help you help them? God, I'm praying for you to influence. You do what only you can do, but how might you want to use me to help you help them? You're praying for one. I didn't ask you to pray for 100. How many? One. Can you do that? Yes, you can do that. Even you introverts. I'm an introvert 50% of the time. Um, So this is a challenge that you can do. It is an opportunity and a possibility for you. And I promise you, as you actively do this, here's the benefit of it. When you pray for someone, it opens the door for the relationship to go deeper. And it forces you to remember what you're praying for. Because then the next time you see them at work, you can ask them. The next time you see them in the neighborhood, the next time you see them in the grocery store, hey, I was praying for that. How's that? What's the status update on that? Is there anything I can do to help? And it instantly begins to draw the the communication. We have to earn the right to invite people closer to Jesus. And one of the best ways I know of in our context, in our time right now, is I think people are hungry to be noticed, to be cared for, and to have blessings spoken over them.
I think we're, we've come out of a two-year uh, reality check for most people where they're probably lonelier than they've ever been. They're more isolated than they have been. They're more irritated than they've been. And so what if we ask God to do what only he can do and we just partner with that? We can have influence through intentional, personal, specific prayer. So pray for one person this week. What if that just became a rhythm of your weeks? That would be 52 people in a year. Think about that. 52 times how many people we got here watching online. Think about the ripple effect of what that can have in our city because we can pray for our city as well. Uh, what if you drove around your city, drove around your neighborhood, your areas, and as you see something, you pray for it? If you see someone struggling, you pray for them, or you pray for the people that are struggling in your neighborhood. And so you just live with kind of these global eyes. We've been doing this with Ukraine. Every one of us has a heart that hurts and aches for what's going on. I hope you continue to pray. That's a challenge for me too. I want to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters who need it, who I may never meet, but they need our prayer. Because I need God to do what only he can do. I can't fix everything. We got to send out all the medical kits this week. That's one way we tried to help. We've got money that you donated that we're going to wire over in the next week or so. That's another way we can help. But we can help through prayer. So you can have influence through prayer. You can have influence through your example. Your influence of your example, that it's hard to exaggerate the power and opportunity that you have for one person who's following after Jesus, who's beginning to live distinctly, but also influentially. This idea, I'm going to be distinct, I'm going to be different, but I'm also going to influence. It's, you can't underestimate the power of one Christian nurse in a hospital or one Christian teacher on a school campus, or one Christian at a store, or a factory, or an office. Christians are marked people, and the world is watching, friends. They're watching to see how you handle, how you react or interact. Again, don't be weird, but be normal. Be influential in the ways that God gives you, that they might see your good works and praise your Father in heaven. They'll see the way you live and go, there's something that drives that in you. What is that? And then you have an open door. You've earned the right to invite a little bit step closer. Never underestimate the power and influence of the life among the people around you as you live following Jesus and live with his kind of heart. We are to be active agents for God and his good in the world. So value people, love them, listen to them, serve them, help them, see them, notice them. And maybe for some of us, smile more. Smile more. We're to be marked by the joy of the Lord, and some of us need to chisel the grimace off our face and turn our frown upside down a little bit more. Let the hope that you have in Jesus shine more brightly through you. You're the light of the world, so be an LED, not a candle. Make sense? I say this to myself at times, too, because I can let the circumstances of my world and my life begin to, to really turn me inward. No, we're to be an influence out, which means I've got to let the joy of the Lord mark me as well. And we can have influence, thirdly, of a godly group. Uh, don't ever underestimate 
uh, a dedicated minority. American sociologist Robert Blair in the Institute in Princeton said this, we should not underestimate the significance of a small group of people who have a vision. The quality of a whole culture can be changed when 2% of its people have a new vision. That's what Jesus is launching in the Sermon on the Mount. The church is meant to be an influence for God and his good in the world. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, Christians become a light to the world to the degree that they stand out as different than the world. This is about being distinct, different than what's happening around you. Jesus began with 12, and it changed the world. Within a few years, the Roman officials complained that this Christian movement, the people of the way, were turning the world upside down. That started with 12, Don't ever underestimate the power of a godly group. Some of you are sitting here or some of you have tuned in because of the power of a godly group of people that just loved you where you were at and they begin to to live life with you and begin to walk you closer to Jesus that they had found. And it's changing you. And that's the reason you're here is because of the power of a group of people. G.K. Chesterton said this, we do not want a church that will move with the world. We want a church that will move the world. We are to be distinct, but we are to be an influence. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. That is to have an influence. Jesus was the most influential person who ever walked this planet 2,000 years ago, and we're still talking about it. His movement is still moving forward. It has changed millions and millions and millions of people's lives because of the movement of Jesus that started with this group of people, that started having this influence. So don't underestimate the power and influence of even one life or a small minority. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So in a way, let your light shine that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So let's reaffirm our confidence in the power of God and in the influence of prayer and the influence of our example and a godly group just living life and trying to be influential in the people around us. Let's offer up our lives to be salt and light in our community and in our here and now moment of history. This is your moment. It's my moment. It's our here and now moment of history that we get to be what Jesus talked about 2,000 years ago when he said to his followers, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Be distinct, but be a person of influence. So who can you pray with this week? Just one. I mean, I guess if God forces you to pray with two, you can, but like just one. How can your example begin to move that forward? How can you, as a part of the e-group, a part of this group, begin to, to leverage your lives to set a godly example for the people around you? And so, Father, that's what we pray. We want to be that kind of church. We want to be that kind of people. Um, and so, God, I, I really do think this power of prayer can have great influence in our moment of history where people are, are still kind of coming out of this, this, the cloudiness of life and they're searching for meaning and significance and they're looking for it. So God, would you build the kind of life within us that would say, God, we want to be the salt and light. We don't have to be perfect to do that. We don't have to be spiritually elite to do that. 
We just have to be in alignment with you, Jesus. And you're going to do what only you can do. And you're going to ask us to partner with you in the ways that we can. So I pray for each one watching, each one here in the room. God, would you give us the privilege of praying with one person this week? I pray that you would go to work in that person's life in a way that only you can. And would you help us to partner with you in the ways that we can? And would you help us to follow up with them? God, would you leverage our example? Would you leverage us as a community to be that salt and light in a world that needs to be preserved in some ways, needs to be illuminated in ways? May you mark us as distinct, but may you leverage us to be an influence for you, Jesus, we pray.
sing us together, church. We'll build our lives. that's the challenge and the invitation of the song is for us to live this out. Not just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And so, friend, I pray that this would be an adventurous week for you. We're praying for one person. I pray that that's not daunting. I pray it's delightful for you. I pray that God surprises you with who that may be with, that it would ignite your faith in a way, I don't care if you're 10 or 110, you can do this. And, and so lean into that. Just ask him to show you, okay, who, help me be listening, help me be watching, help me be able to see where I can pray for someone. And I can help kind of revive that relationship a little bit and just invest in that. So may this be adventurous for you. 
the adventure continues for us. Thank you to all of you who uh, give around here. We do that in a couple different ways with uh, the boxes in the back and a lot of folks give through the app or online. Uh, thank you for partnering with us. We can't do church or be the church without you and we get to be the church. Some of you signed on the way in. We have a couple poster boards in the lobby we love for you to sign. We are delivering donuts and coffee to 60 teachers and staff at John B. Wright tomorrow morning at 7.45. And then Wednesday afternoon to 90 teachers and staff, we're having a whole coffee cart, truck, a food truck, but coffee and smoothies. Come in to bless the teachers at Catalina High School. We have to do that because of your partnership. And uh, we have to do all the missions we do through that and blessing everybody. So even this Thursday, if anyone wants to help cook pancakes at 7 a.m. in the morning, we'll be in downstairs in McHale blessing all the student athletes uh, at U of A with through Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We're doing that on your behalf. And so if you are here and you love, like if, if pancake is your jam, like come see me because uh, we could use like one more pancake flipper maker. Okay, so if that's you and you have time, uh, then come hang out with us. With that, we're uh, going to Barrow's for dinner tonight. Uh, there's already 15 pizzas and wings, like 60 wings bought and paid for. So you might want to go to dinner. Um, and so Mother's Day. How many mamas out there? We're going to have a special chocolate for you next week. Yep, because you deserve something special. So uh, be back here for Mother's Day next week and uh, sign the posters on the way out. If you're brand new, love to meet you at the 10-minute party. Karen's already back there. I'll be back there. So may you go in peace and his blessing, and may you have the surprise of your week be the fact that you get to pray with someone this week. God bless you.